Most of you didn't bring actual Bibles for fear of them getting waterlogged, but you have devices and you can certainly Google or turn to the gospel according to Mark. I thought we would do the whole story of God today from beginning to end because it's just a wonderful place to be. And so we're going to start in Genesis and move to Revelation and just cover everything today. You'll see these first few weeks as we've begun to study the gospel according to Mark, we've been doing some foundational work, setting the stage, so to speak, to truly try to receive the message that Mark wants to give to us of who Jesus is, what he came to do and teach and reveal about God. The first words that Mark records Jesus speaking are these from Mark 1:15. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We spent last week kind of asking the question of what truly is the gospel? Do we have a grasp of it? Do we understand it? The word literally means good news, a proclamation of good news. That's what Jesus was saying. And that good news according to Jesus, according to Mark, is that the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's within grasp. It is available now. And that's what the word time means. The kairos in Greek, the kairos moment. It's a moment of great opportunity, not necessarily a day on the calendar or a time of the day, but a moment of opportunity. The time has been completed. It is here now. The kingdom is coming and is coming in greater fullness. Throughout the four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus that we have in our Bibles, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus repeatedly teaching on the kingdom of God, synonymously or interchangeably with the kingdom of heaven. He would use parables to teach about the kingdom often. He used a parable to talk about how the kingdom of heaven needs to be discovered It's like a treasure hidden in a field where we get some of our our hope in field church. May God's kingdom be present with us. May we find it in unexpected ways. He used parables to teach that the kingdom of heaven will draw in all kinds of people. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is cast out into the sea and gathers all kinds of fish. Make you pause and think about yourself a little bit. If you're being compared to the fish being caught up, maybe God's love is, and grace is so incredible that sometimes he draws us in when we would rather even be swimming the other direction, completely ignorant. He used parables to say that the kingdom of heaven will multiply, though it might start out like a mustard seed, which is one of the tiniest seeds of all. It grows into one of the largest plants in the garden. He would say that the kingdom of heaven is like a small bit of Yeast that would work through the entire batch of dough and ultimately change, transform everything. What's evident, and we could go on and on with Jesus' teachings and parables about the kingdom of heaven, what's evident is that he believed that the kingdom was living and active, growing and multiplying, attractive and available to all. The scriptures as a whole teach and reveal the concept of heaven coming to earth. In fact, it does so far more often than it teaches on our escape from earth to get to heaven. It talks about the the interplay between heaven, God's kingdom, and the world as we know it, the earth that he has created. And this is called the gospel. 
the good news, heaven coming to earth. As I said last week, if, if we only think of the gospel as a set of doctrines or truths to believe, a statement of faith that would get us to heaven when we die or escape the fires of hell, then we have totally failed to understand the gospel as it is proclaimed in the scriptures, as it is taught by Jesus himself. And I want to press into that for a few moments as we continue to lay these foundations to receive the message and the life of Jesus according to Mark. I believe that in many Christian circles, I know I grew up in one, we spent a whole lot more time talking about what we needed to do or believe or say to get to heaven to ensure that we'd make it or to avoid the fires of hell. We spent a whole lot more time on those kinds of topics. Not that it was every message, but that certainly resonated throughout a lot of the themes of my recollection growing up in my church community. Far more than we talked about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and us being agents of that kingdom to bring the same kind of ministry wherever God would send us and wherever we would go. And I don't, I don't know how we, we missed it so, so poorly. And I don't know if, you're any, if you grew up in any Christian circles or communities, maybe your experience is similar. If you had no background, then I hope to, through the lens of Mark and his words, present the gospel as the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and the chance to be re both recipients of it and agents for it wherever we are sent. Even as we are coming to believe more and more and don't have all the answers. Jesus chooses us, invites us, challenges us, and sends us. For some reason, I think we've set heaven and earth as like totally different spaces, completely, completely separated. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, they weren't necessarily separated. We might call them more like dimensions. The heavens, the skies, ultimately, and the earth, the terra, the firma, God created it all. It didn't say he created them and separated them. It seems if you look at the beginning of the story in Genesis, that God dwelt in both simultaneously, almost like the two dimensions came together. Whether he was simultaneously there present or moving between both, the spirit world and uh, the world of the material as God created merged together. God dwelt with his people in the garden. And it seems that the other spiritual beings Angels, those fallen angels or demons, there was a serpent in the garden. It seemed that they also lived and dwelt in both realms at the same time. To keep those two separate and to only think of them as separate is to really miss the whole message of Scripture, that the union of heaven and earth are what the whole story is about from beginning to end, at least from a Bible-based worldview. God establishes this perfect kingdom and shares all things with his creation, namely humanity. He shares not only his material creation and to bless, but he shares his divine spirit created in his image. He shares the ability to govern, to, to rule, to steward over all things with his authority and power. He gives and invites humanity to lead and to serve and to give and to be kingdom agents on earth. That's the picture that we are given at both the beginning and then at the end of the entire story. Heaven and earth were not necessarily these separate places, but like dimensions overlapping. 
So he creates a garden. That's, that's the picture that he gives to us, is the garden of Eden, which simply means pleasure or delight. And he, plant, he fills it with life and vibrancy and multiplication, planting trees, filling it with animals, and then creating man and woman to steward subdue and have dominion over all that he's created. So here's a snapshot in Genesis chapter 1, 28 and following. God blessed his creation and man and woman and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Humans were to rule, to have dominion in God's image and character. They were to use their God-given power and authority to cultivate, to create, to shape, and ultimately with that to bless, to serve, to give, to help, and to share, to maintain the peace that God had created at first, to maintain that shalom for all. If we look into our world, we know that that didn't happen. So what, what went wrong? One way to say it without the deep dive of the study is, in short, humans rejected God's will in favor of their own will. Tragically, ironically, they did the very opposite of God's character and what he had shown was their responsibility to make their, they chose to make their own world to be their own God's to be served, not to serve, to take, not to give, to control, not to empower, to protect and preserve in order for selfish gain, not to sacrifice and share. The very opposite of God's character. And it didn't take too long in the story. And we've been doing that ever since. It's the world as we know it. Earthly kingdoms full of injustice, oppression, violence, division, war, in a word, that is sin. Distrusting and dismissing God and his will to love and pursue other things, namely our own desires. That's the summary of the brokenness or the separation of the heavens and earth that took place by the choice of humanity that ultimately we are walking in ever since. Now, Jesus would come and teach and model what it looked like to follow God's will to steward power and authority, to rule like God in an upside-down kind of way from our perspective, which I've labeled this series, the upside-down kingdom, not the first to do so. He would come through service and sacrifice, being the greatest and most powerful one. He chose to come in humility, to give, to bless, to heal. And Jesus called people to this kingdom, and he called them to it through two things we see from that first, that, that, those first words in Mark. So being first, we know that that's primarily what Mark wants to communicate and then prove through the rest of the story. He calls them to repentance, therefore all peoples to repentance and to belief. Now repentance might sound like a 
ugly word, or you might have a history with it, for, for example, but it is a gift. And it literally means, metanoia in the Greek means to change your thinking about something, to change your mind, change the way you've been thinking about the world as you know it, and believe in the coming kingdom. There's better news than you ever thought. The kingdom and what God is going to do in and through his people to restore, to heal, to bring wholeness and fullness, to bring heaven back to earth is the greatest news of all time. Change your thinking about all the ways that you have previously perceived or been taught to think. Look at it in a new way. That's repentance, according to Mark. There are other words that translated repent. But in this case, change the way that you're thinking about the world and the kingdom. To have the humility. It takes humility to change thinking because ultimately at the core of that is the ability to say, the ways that I was perceiving and thinking about this, especially when it comes to a big thing like our worldview, was wrong. That's humility. That's humbling, especially if it set the course of our life and the things that we have done. At least could we not say that it's incomplete. I hope we would at least say that. That there's always more to see and to think about. At least take that posture of humility. That's the only way we can receive the words of Jesus and the words that Mark gives to us in showing us Jesus. Could we see the kingdom as this upside down, inside out from our perspective way? Maybe that was the way it was always meant to be. That Jesus came from heaven to earth nearly 2,000 years ago to make this possible and to model what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God and to be agents of it. Because he brought kingdom wherever he went. He brought heaven wherever he went. Healing, wholeness, forgiveness, mercy, compassion, renewal, sight for the blind, justice for the oppressed, freedom for the captive, food for the hungry, honor for the poor, voice for the voiceless, to name a few that we'll see. And Jesus called people to follow him, to learn what this kingdom living looked like. And then he sent them, commissioned them to go and to be kingdom agents. Even before all the work that he came to do was accomplished, he hadn't yet gone to the cross, accomplished what all that meant and rose from the dead. He's, even before all of that. So with an imperfect understanding of the kingdom, those that were following and watched him enough had enough. And we'll see even by the first few chapters of Mark, he will send out his disciples saying, you know enough to be kingdom agents. Go and bring ministry, bring healing, bring comfort, mercy, justice. They didn't have all the answers. They couldn't have articulated what the crucifixion and resurrection even meant. And he sent them as kingdom agents. So that not give us hope and maybe conviction. If we are waiting to learn more before we go as kingdom agents, then we are being stuck not being kingdom-minded as Jesus would present for us. So he calls people to follow him, to learn this kingdom living, and to go with his authority, his given authority as ambassadors to represent or represent him to the world. And this is what he was all about. Service, generosity, sacrifice, healing, justice, mercy, and to walk in humility. So we go. As far as we are, we are able, and with prayers, Lord, give us even far more than we are able. As Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The very central prayer, probably the, the most memorized prayer in the history of the world is the concept of being agents to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that is God's will. That is his storyline from beginning to end. So let's fast forward to the end of the story. We have the, we have the picture of the Garden of Eden, the overlapping of heaven and earth where God is dwelling with humanity. There's a brokenness and a separation in the whole middle of the story. And Jesus comes to both bring the kingdom and model that and invite us to be agents of that same kingdom. And then in the final picture we're given is the restoration of the kingdom where once again, heaven and the material overlap as perfect dimensions together. The book of Revelation is what shows us this picture in the final chapter, right? The final scene of the story that we're meant to be left with, at least by those that finally composed the whole story. The one that is meant to be left with God's people of what will come to be one day and that we are both hoping for and trying to bring into fulfillment. Revelation 22, a vision given accordingly to the apostle John who records, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Amazing that not, we don't just have a garden anymore, we have a city, a garden city, a massive one. Because now there are multitudes of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation living together. But the garden is within it. It has, it has multiplied and it has advanced like all the things that God creates. On either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Imagine that. And leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. The renewed, restored heavens and earth, once again, fully overlapping. All wrong has been made right. All that is broken has been mended and healed. Sickness and death have been overcome. Justice and mercy have been reestablished under King Jesus. Rule and dominion in the way of Jesus with power and authority but as servants will be ours forever and ever, all the children of God. Reflect on that for a moment because I think that our vision of heaven probably needs to be redefined a bit. As a well-known pastor, or maybe a once well-known pastor said, if heaven means I have to wear a diaper and pluck a harp while floating on a cloud for all eternity, I think I want to check out the other place first. Heaven is pictured as a beautiful garden-like city, a massive one with the people from every tribe, tongue, and nation living in unity, righteousness, and justice. Diverse but not divided. All citizens of heaven becoming equal agents of the kingdom given and restored to, to have what was originally given at the beginning with God's power and authority, rule, governance, Reign, equality, there's work to be done. The kingdom of heaven advances for eternity because all that God creates multiplies and advance, 
advances. It's a progressive picture. So when God created the garden at the beginning, it was like a blank slate, beautiful, but meant to be expanded upon, to be cultivated, to be subdued. The world is wild, but it can be harnessed. Think of solar or wind or hydroelectric power and engineering that it's taken to accomplish. Think about the cultivation of simply agriculture, irrigation, all the way to urban centers and massive skyscrapers. The world is meant to be created and crafted and cultivated. And God's kingdom will reflect that, where all peoples have a job to do and work to be done to reflect the creative nature of God himself. This is why the final picture of God's kingdom is not the Garden of Eden. It's a city with a garden. It has advanced. It has multiplied. And even the nature of the parables that Jesus teaches about the kingdom should teach us that. It's multiplication. It's growth. It's expansion. We even have some science, scientific effort, uh, evidence today that the universe itself has been continually expanding and continually growing, being infinite. Is that not an amazing concept that even boggles the mind? But this is the gospel, the big picture of what God has always done, what he's doing now, and what he will do. His kingdom coming evermore to earth and through his children. Perhaps for far too long, we've been trying to get back to the garden. By the way, it was never said to be a perfect place. It was said to be very good. But it was given to humanity to take and advance even more in the spirit of God with his power and his authority. Maybe we've been trying to get back to the garden when that was never God's intent. It was that we would move ahead to join God in what he was doing, to restore, to rebuild, to create. But we can also err by simply living in that future day where, where now simply becomes waiting, longing, maybe hoping or enduring until Jesus comes or takes me home. And that would also miss the whole point of the coming of Jesus, bringing kingdom to earth and inviting followers to then go and be commissioned to bring kingdom wherever they go. There's work to be done now to advancing his kingdom in all the ways that Jesus models. And we'll see as we walk through this journey together. By the way, when Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, it is both now and it is coming. It is now and it is not yet. Repent, change your thinking that it might be expanded, that you might see the world in a new way as God sees it and believe, walk in faith. That is salvation. That's synonymous with salvation. Salvation is a term, a concept that I think as Christians we've been pretty infatuated with. The gospel of Mark never uses the word. It's soteria in the Greek. It never shows up. Isn't that interesting? A gospel account never says the word salvation in it, where it says kingdom, and it says gospel two dozen times in 16 chapters. Certainly other writers of scripture will speak of this concept of salvation, but gospel and salvation is much more about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and living in it and walking in it now 
than it is about being saved out of and from to something else. And that's meant to be good news, renewal, restoration, healing, wholeness, completeness, fulfillment. If the God, furthermore, and maybe this will be edgy, if the gospel is only about escaping hell and entering heaven, then it's not good news for a whole lot of people. Perhaps even the majority of our world as we know it, and I won't speak beyond maybe the American culture, but if heaven is filled with those who claim to be Christians and is ruled by the God of Christians, then there's a whole lot of people that want nothing to do with that place because of how we have represented him and it. And we must include ourselves in that. 20th century French theologian Jacques Ellul asks this sobering question. How has it come about that the development of Christianity and the church has given birth to a society, a civilization, a culture that are completely opposite to what we read in the Bible? Because humanity always does this. It builds its own worldly kingdoms of power and control, of comfort and security, of self-serving and perpetuation. And the kingdom of heaven is nothing like this. Praise God. That's good news. Following Jesus into the world to love and pursue the hurting, the sick, the poor, the marginalized, the suffering, the lost, the immigrants, to bring relief and healing, provision and honor, voice and compassion, mercy and justice. This is God's kingdom come. This is God's will be done. This is what it means to walk in heaven and desire to live with the king in heaven for all eternity. May it be so now in ever-increasing fullness through God's servants, through you. You are being invited and commissioned. Will you come? Will you repent? Turn, change the way of, of thinking as we again explore Jesus, as I've said a, a few times, praying that we receive it with fresh ears and soft hearts because it's going to take that. To, hear, to get out of the ways we've been taught to think about the gospel and the kingdom in order to live in it and be agents of it. How can we be agents of the kingdom this week? And that's really what I'm inviting the open mic for as we gather for Field Church, is as we go from this place in the next seven days, striving to be agents, even in small ways, that we could come and share, here's something God gave me an opportunity to do, and I totally failed in it. <laughs> Please pray with me, but I see it. Or, and I just stepped into it and you would not believe what God opened up. Let these be testimonies of encouragement of being agents of his kingdom. How do we represent Jesus in small ways? You need to do the work. I can't tell you what that's going to be like in your fields and your places, but it will be like this. It will mean taking a second or a last position in order that somebody else goes first. Because in God's kingdom, those who take that posture like Jesus did are said to be first and greatest one day. Ultimately, our hope is to walk like Jesus and trust the, the results to him, to give away power, to take postures where we ha might have privilege and give it to those who don't, to give voice to those that are being silenced. That may be one person, it may be a neighbor, it may be a friend. 
if God's kingdom people would live like this in all places, it would transform our world. It would bring the kingdom back to overlapping with the world, the kingdoms of the world that we live in. It would be counter-cultural. It would be upside down, inside out. May we be Jesus' agents as we go. And by the way, if that sounds impossible or daunting, we'll see very soon that Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit's empowering to live and to do ministry. He did that intentionally so that we have a model to follow because he promised that very same Holy Spirit of God to be in and with us wherever we go, to empower, to give us words when we need them, to give us that extra measure of patience, grace, mercy, compassion, to see with kingdom eyes for justice and righteousness. That, that can't depend on us. That must come from the Holy Spirit of God, that divine spirit that was given in the beginning that's promised to be with us now. With that mindset, let's pray. And then we have a couple songs to sing in response today. The wind's not blowing and the rain's not going sideways, so we can linger. If you need to go because you're freezing cold, then God bless you as you go. But I'd love to sing, share in communion as we are able. Let me pray. Holy Spirit of God, help us as we seek to be agents of your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, even in small ways. Open our eyes and our hearts. Remind us of your incredible love for us, God, that we can choose to be last and least in this world because you've promised that we will be first and greatest in your kingdom. Help us put others first, take less, give more this week, serve and sacrifice. In your name we pray, your beautiful name, amen. Be blessed, love you. For those online, miss you, hope to see you soon.